everybody good? It's chilly in here, so you can defrost when you get outside later. We just want to welcome you to Hill City Church and tell you thanks for coming. If you're new here, we have a gift for you outside at the welcome table right where you walked in. Make sure to visit there. And um, let's just worship together today. Amen. Fortune lies beyond the stars, those dazzling heights too vast to climb. I got so hard to fall so far, but I found heaven as love swept low. My heart beating, my soul breathing, I found my life when I laid it. Reaching out, I surrender. 
just meditate on those three, those four words really. Great are you, Lord. It's more of a, a posture towards you today, God, that we say, great are you. Just simply proclaiming that this morning, church, that God is great. Whatever season, whatever situation you might be in this morning, we say, great are you, Lord. And that's part of what we do as Christians, part of what we do as believers. We, we declare that this morning, amen? Declare it in your heart. I don't care if you literally and physically say it, but that you believe that in your heart, that God is great. And that might be hard for some of you this morning, but God, I'm going to pray over this church. This morning, Father, we come into this place, as hot as it is and as cool as it is in the today, God, we come into a place, God, and we, we come into a, a service this morning, which is just a continuation of, of a week. But God, we take a few moments right now, if we haven't done it all week or we haven't done it in months or years or ever, this morning right now, God, I just pray over this congregation, over this service, or everybody who's here in the building, for those of us who are online watching, right now we just say these four words and worship team, just believe with me and everybody, great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord, for what you've done, for what you're doing in this moment right now, God. I believe that your spirit can touch people's hearts, even in a moment of just saying, great are you, Lord. If nothing else, we come out of this place, God. We believe that you are great. We believe you are good. God, you're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our lives. God, that we give that to you. God, you demonstrated for us 2,000 years ago greatness in giving, having a plan for humanity and sending your son, Jesus. And this morning, for the rest of this service, I pray that we would just echo God, your goodness and your greatness, Father. God, we pray for your spirit, your thick presence this morning, Father, in this place. And we give this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Amen. Well, you guys can be seated. Tell the person next to you, God is good. God is good. Amen, amen. Amen. Isn't it nice and cool in here? Ah, oh, it's so nice. I told people outside. I was greeting outside. I said, get inside quickly. You'll, you'll start sweating out here. Guys, you guys can come forward as we're going to continue in our giving. As you guys get mobilized back there. Uh, a few quick announcements. Uh, my wife will come up in a second to uh, announce about um, a, a thing with the kids. And uh, we have a fundraiser today for uh, a couple of awesome young men. One over here. Uh, Gino and Giovanni for... Uh, uh, Despo 2018. So they're selling amazing burritos, burritos. And uh, has anybody had any? They're good, right? They're not good. Don't say bur burrito. There's some burritos out there. And uh, so they're raising that. So please, uh, please go buy some burritos and uh, give them to uh, tacos. I, I can't mess that one up. No, just kidding. But go out there and uh, and just and buy some good food. We'll just keep it at that, and uh, we'll go from there. So uh, with that, uh, oh, give generously, my wife says. So uh, welcome, my wife, and you guys can start handing around the uh, the, the bags. Uh, so um, Megan Frank is the director of our Hill City Kids program. Woo! And we have not been in service together for like six months, so this is a real gem for me uh, to have her by my side. But she's going to give a quick announcement. She got to uh, take some of the kids to. Are you going to talk about this? Well, she got to take some kids to kids camp this summer or this uh, this week in uh, South of Grand Junction, and so she had all sorts of sleep this week and uh, 
you know, many hours of restless of, of rest nights. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to uh, honor you and uh, everything she does for Hill City Kids. And it's a pleasure to be back there. So give her a hand, and I'll give it to you. Awesome. Well, usually I'm back in the gym with the kids, teaching and having fun. So I uh, just wanted to be here this morning and let you know we are teaching our kids that God can use them no matter how young they are, no matter how much experience they have. God gave us each gift to use. So last week we made kindness stones, and you might have had your kiddo come home with a stone with a nice little encouraging message. And we challenged the kids to take that and put it somewhere that it can encourage people. I've heard of homeless people picking up a stone like that and carrying it with them because it just gives them something. It has gives them hope. So you never know who's going to see this little message. Smile. You rock, right? <laughs> On a little stone that might just really encourage them. So we're, we're challenging them to serve and to use the things that God has put in them. So in two weeks from today, we're having a Hill City Kids talent show. So all the kids, uh, I need your help to do this. We only have two weeks, and I cannot call each one of them and ask them, have you practiced? Have you come up with something? So please encourage your kid to do something. It could be art. We're going to have like a wall of art. So if they don't want to get in front of people, they can paint something at home and bring it and display it. They can write a poem. They can write a story that we can display. Or they can get up and do their basketball drills or do their little dance or a song or something but we want to show the kids God has given you gifts to use right and he wants to use those so that's what we're doing in two weeks I wanted your help with that please help them and this despo thing the burritos that we're every week we're giving generously to buy food that really matters because these young people are going to go somewhere and have an experience with Jesus and that might be the moment that they decide I'm going to live for God for the rest of my life might seem small to us to give a burrito oh whatever they're going to some little camp thing but when they go there they will have an encounter with Jesus and that might be the moment that turns their whole life towards him and that they would walk after him and God might use their life in some awesome way so it matters that we invest in these little moments letting them show up and do something and hear about Jesus and be used by God when they're young because we never know what's going to happen as they get older and this might be the thing that really gets their heart and that they'll serve Jesus for all their life. Yes, let's pray. Lord, thank you for meeting with us here this morning. Jesus, we delight in you, God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God, and we hide ourselves in you, Jesus. Lord, when things are dark, when things are hard, God, we run to you, Jesus. We cast our cares upon you because you care for us, Lord. God, and we will give you our burdens. We will give you our heartaches. We will give you our joy, God, and we will rejoice in you and trust in you, Jesus. And I I pray, God, that you would start a revival in our young people, Lord. God, that children in the nursery would experience your presence, God. That kids in preschool would hear about a God who loves them and who will watch out for them all the days of their life. God, that they'll come and use their gifts in a talent show and realize, hey, God's given me this gift and I want to honor him with this and I'm going to do this for him for the rest of my life. One day I'm going to grow up and lead worship. One day I'm going to get up and, and write a book 
about Jesus and what he's done for me. And I pray for every teenager in this place that they would hear the good news of Jesus who can save them from a world of hurt, who can save them from heartache, who can save them from comparing and brokenheartedness, Lord, and give them purpose and direction, Lord. And I pray that Despo this year would light our kids' hearts on fire for you, God, that they would come back ready to serve you, Jesus, ready to serve in this church, ready to give their life away for something bigger than themselves, Lord, that they would go and be changed and come back ready to live for you, God. Thank you for raising up Christians in our young people, Lord, that here at Hill City Church, kids learn about Jesus. They ask him in and they live for you, Jesus. Lord, save our young people, God, that they would walk in your ways and know you all the days of their life, God. Thank you for this word this morning, Lord. We have open hearts and open ears, God, to what you're going to do in our lives. And we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Give Megan a hand. That's our leader, our children's leader. At this time, I'm going to show you a video. It's about urban outreach, so please watch this uh, with me. It's a really cool guy on this video. Hello. I just want to let you know about a beautiful opportunity. In the month of June, we want to partner with Urban Outreach Denver, who serve the homeless and those who are in need uh, with community dinners, with clothes, and things like that. But we want to further expand their reach and their impact of families and children in that area by helping them with their kitchen area, creating a uh, um, walk-in refrigerator, maybe freezer, and different areas like that. And what that would allow Urban Outreach to do is start a, uh, um, a food bank and a distribution center and is so that they can further reach and impact that community. I know that uh, we just ended the series, Won't You Be My Neighbor, a neighboring series. I believe this is one way your generosity can impact those right around you. So please join us this month in your giving. I want you to prayerfully think uh, and be generous in impacting those around you. God bless you and join us. And uh, what you're seeing right there is a 3D rendering of, uh, of the refrigerator that we are building. And uh, we, we've done quite a bit of work there. I, I was... Uh, I know a bunch of you guys, some of you guys came out and we knocked down a ton of walls and uh, the skilled people knocked down the walls and rebuilt it. Uh, we put up uh, granite countertops, built new windows. It, it's been renovated. They've painted it. And it's just uh, it's that we can widen that space so that they can reach and help more people. And I, I'm not very skilled with my hands, so uh, I had garbage duty. They would knock down walls and I'd pick up garbage and uh, throw it outside. That was my role of it. But we all have roles. We all do our part of what we're good at. And and so you know, I want you guys to be generous for the month of, um, of June, we are trying to raise $2,500 for a walk-in refrigerator. Of course, a walk-in refrigerator does not cost that much, but we have people that are offering their skills, their time, their labor, and parts so that it could be done so that we that they can have a, a further reach of impacting our city, our, our Denver area for Jesus, those who don't have homes, those who are needing a meal, families that need uh, programs for their children. That's what it's for. So I want you to actually pray about it. 
Because I think, I don't want you to just respond emotionally or non-emotionally or just look at something. I want us to pray, God, what do you want me to do? How can I be a part of this? Uh, and if you want to uh, give online, we will have a drop down for Urban Outreach. So please give online and, uh, and God bless you. Um, I'm just really excited for that. I just want to see that accomplished. And I want you to go there to see people uh, being impacted. I think that's very, very important for your soul. For your soul. If you're a guest, uh, welcome. My name is John. So glad that you guys are here. And uh, just how are you enjoying your summer? You guys enjoying summer? Yeah, you guys are. No, it's hot. Yeah, some people don't like it. And then, uh, then the older people tell me, we didn't even have AC back in the day. So, so stop complaining. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> right? But uh, we, we're starting a new series. It's called Summer Jams. Right? Summer jams, and we're learning about the hits and the deep cuts from uh, from the Bible. There are songs in the Bible, right? Who, uh, what kind of music do you guys normally listen to? Anyone? You guys, you guys listen to uh, country? Any country people? Some of you guys, right? You go, woo, woo, right? Any, anyone, uh, guys, listen to, uh, I like listening to John Mayer. Any John Mayer fans? Just me and Paul, right? Oh, oh maybe, nope, that was just a scratch of a head. They're like, psych, right? They psyched me. They psyched me. Uh, but we all listen to any hip-hop people, right? Hip-hop people, a lot of hip-hop people. Any, any K-pop people? No? Like, what's K-pop? You, don't got, you guys don't listen to Korean pop? No? No? It's just me then. It's just me listening to Korean pop. Uh, but we all listen to uh, music. We love music. And, and what's crazy about music and art, there's so much power in music. When you're listening to it, there's something that a song can do and that transports you back in time. It gives you a certain feeling. It's like time travel. You can feel what you felt. Some of us, uh, we've been married for a while and you, you've, you have your song. This is our song. And then you say, you remember our song? And then she tells you a different song. You're like, I didn't know that was our song. But uh, she's right, right? Uh, but we have our song. It's like time travel. You can feel the emotions that you felt when you were listening to that music or the smells or the memories come alive. And, and, and some of uh, our favorite times, my favorite times with Candace, comes with a soundtrack of John Mayer's Continuum. This tells you that we're old, all right? And, and, and we would listen to these songs, and it was the beginning of our marriage, and it reminds me of young broke love when we're young and broke right that's what it reminds me of we're like ramen again candace no i'm but that's what it reminds me of i I just i was just thinking uh, when i think about john mayer i think of uh when we were living in a one-bedroom apartment at champions park and we lived in the downstairs and uh, i remember i had a lot of candles so we didn't uh, this is uh, this is so weird this is how weird i am uh, when i was a bachelor i would have candles uh, it, it wasn't for the smell it was just cheaper on the electricity that's how korean i am folks that's super korean right um, i'm sorry for you koreans out there all right uh, but i was, we were young and broke we were high on love we were holding hands driving it, i just it reminds me of laughter and just being young bucks and just uh, just listening to john mayer and slow dancing in the burning room, right, babe, and uh, waiting on the world to change, uh, and I remember just uh, feeling the gravity of it all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you like that? I, I don't know how you, how you, uh, you, about you guys and how you sense God, but I sense God deeply in music. I sense emotion. I sense, like, uh, just this deep impression in my heart. And when we sing together and we're singing, great are you, Lord, I, I, I love the words and how that, it, it makes me, like, shape my world differently, 
right? There's a, there's a beautiful, like, artistic shape to our world, an expression of praise and singing songs like this or, or, or when I'm listening alone at home. So when you're reading through the Psalms, there's, there, the book of the Bible, Psalms, is, is a full of prayers, it's so, a full of uh, poems, and it's full of music. So when you're reading the Psalms, it's not just scripture, it's artistic expression of how they're feeling about God, their life, and what they're going through. Think about this. The Psalms, and last week, I, I, I need to go on Front Street. My wife started laughing. I snorted out loud when I was speaking. And she just started laughing. And so I, I just want to let everyone know this happened. So I had to move my podium up to here so I no longer stared at my wife because she was laughing in my face, like pretty much this close, just sitting there, wiping the tears from her eyes. And then Paul here, my... My friend, my confidant, he ducks his head down and just laughs with his head down. And I want to thank all those people who heard me and yet could move on, unlike those closest to me. I know how Jesus felt. <sighs> too much, too much. I apologize. Too much. But I, I'm reading through the Psalms, right? And, 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 and it's this artistic imp expression and impression of responding to God, right? But it's about our humanity. I think when we relate ourselves to God, many times we take out our humanity and we make it very robotic, right? This is my robotic faith. This is my duty. But I love the Psalms. When you're reading through it, it's very, very human. It's honest dealings with hurt and with loss, with sin, with defeat, with questions about God's presence. God, are you even real? That's in the Psalms. God, can you help me? God, why, when I serve you, do the people, other people get blessed and not me? Why am I surrounded by my enemies, and yet you want me to stand firm? These are actual questions in the Psalms about God's goodness, Psalms of frustration, Psalms of joy, Psalms of repentance, and it's the real and the raw of when you make a deep mistake, how do I repent? How do I move from here? And now the Psalms, they're written by a lot of artists. Do, uh, do you know the Psalms span more than a thousand years? So it's not like we all wrote this at the same time. No, there were prayers, poems, and songs all throughout the Old Testament that were put together in this one book. And, and did you know that the Psalms are quoted in the New Testament more than any other book? Jesus quotes the Psalms. Peter quotes the Psalms. Paul quotes songs. And so in, in the Jewish understanding of culture, songs, poems, and expressions um, artistically and, and, and humanly were very, very important. When you read through the Psalms, this is how people walk through life with God. It's not do this, don't do this. It's like, man, this is hard. Or, man, this is, this is enjoyable. I love being here. And, and so I want you guys to read through it this month. Read through the Psalms. I, re I read through a, a ton of them just even this morning as I was getting ready for this. So I'm going to begin. If you have your Bibles, go to Psalm chapter 1. All right, we're going to get that out. Uh, we we uh, celebrate the word of God because it reveals Jesus, and Jesus changes our lives. And so that's what we're doing, Psalm chapter 1. And, and it's crazy. Because Psalm 1 starts out with a deep thought, and it starts with one word. And if they're going to put up there, Psalm 1, chapter 1, 1. And it starts out like this. It says, blessed is the man, or blessed is the woman, 
And this is a big theme, and uh, we're going to get into it, but it's a deep thought, and the thought is, can I truly have a happy life? Have you ever thought of that for yourself? Can I have a happy life? Let me ask you today, and you can, uh, you can take this personally, but are you happy? Are you happy? Am I happy? Maybe, John, sometimes when the Warriors won, yeah, I was happy for a moment. They swept the calves. LeBron cried. Am I happy? Sometimes, yes, now, nope, never. I'm never happy, John. Let's not talk about this. I'm going to rephrase this. If life didn't change at all for you from this moment forward, and this is a very deep question. If nothing would change moving forward, your situation didn't improve, your, your marital status didn't change, your career didn't progress, your body didn't feel any better, could I be happy? Could you be happy? Think about that for a moment. Because this is the question that the book of Psalms opens up with. The word happy and the word blessed is the same word. It's the word uh, uh, ashray, and it it's literally means the word happy. Psalms 1-1, right off the bat, when they put the collection of songs, poems, and prayers together, they wanted to ask the question about happiness. I don't know about what you think about happiness, uh, and some of us, we're like young, and we love it. We're like futuristic optimists, like one day things are going to be awesome. I don't know, one day it's going to be awesome when I meet the right person, when I get the right job, if when I finish school, when I get that awesome car that I've always wanted, then I'm going to be happy. Others of us are older and grouchier, right? We're, we're, we're natural pessimists, and we've been through some stuff, and we believe happiness is impossible for me. It's possible for others, but it's impossible. It's very unlikely. It's very unlikely. But I wanna, I'm, I'm here to tell you, happiness is not an idea of one day. It's not an idea of impossibility. But the Psalms tells us happiness is absolutely possible. And I'm going to read you the first six verses, and then, then we're going to run right in. Happy or blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer, but he delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and the leaves do not wither. And in all he or she does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so there's a stark contrast of happy and not happy. The Psalms our talking relates to our depths of happiness, to righteousness and wickedness. And the righteous, he says, are like trees with deep roots next to streams of water that bear fruit year after year, and they prosper in all they do. And, they, and then it says, the wicked are like chaff. They're being, uh, they're, the chaff being like the skin of a seed or a shell around the wheat, which flies away when it's tossed into the air and carried away by life. And so I'm going to look, we're going to look a little deeper. And the writer points out two things that people usually look to make them blessed or happy that can't make them happy. And number one, happiness is not based on circumstance. Happiness is not 
based on circumstances. Psalms 1-3, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, in its season, and the leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. Life goes in seasons. Anyone, anyone feel that? There's different seasons of life. There's springtime where things are just growing in life and things are happening. There's summertime where it's nice and warm and your grass, my grass is green, right? It's beautiful and lush and green and the rabbits try to eat it and I chase the rabbits with rocks, right? Don't report me, all right? But where things grow and it seems everything, is, it's just fruitful, right? It's like nice. But then here comes fall. The grass withers. The flowers fade and then the winter comes right and the plants begin to wilt and things get solid and hard because of the temperature and and people feel lonely they might feel cold and there's then we face seasons of drought where it just seems very very dry in our lives and in this room today we're all over the place we're in different seasons of life. We're in different seasons of change. And if your happiness is dependent on spring, if our happiness is dependent on our circumstances being good, then happiness will always elude you. Because guess what? Winter is always coming. Winter is coming, right? In the words of Tim Keller, one of my favorite theologians and pastors, he wrote, the modern approach to happiness is remove anything and all suffering, avoid pain, and if you can't, sedate it, eliminate disease, discomfort, and injustice. And these are good, worthy goals, right? But no amount of money, power, planning can prevent the bereavement the dire illness, relationship betrayal, financial disaster, or a host of other troubles from entering your life. Human life is fatally frail and subject to forces beyond our power to manage. And I was just thinking about that this week. Uh, uh, two pretty famous and uh, strong personalities committed suicide this week. And, uh, and it was Anthony Bourdain, and, and, and it was, they were also like Kate Spade, right? If you have those purses, the Kate Spade purses that are like a million dollars, right? You're like, how much is that purse? I was in a Kate Spade shop with Candace one day, and I was like, that thing is $1,000 that fits in my hand. You know, it's like this clutch bag. Clutch, right? It's clutch. And uh, yeah, I said it right, guys. They're, they're not all purses. They have names, right? But I was like, it's, it's crazy. All this, and, and, and it was really, really sad this week because I used to watch his show. What's his show? Destination? No Reservations. Thank you. No, re, no Reservations. I was watching the other guy too, I guess, his, uh, his uh, competition. But he, he always seemed like a guy who had it together. He had deep thoughts about life, and he was bold. And then I'm, I'm, he, at the age of 61, he commits suicide. And, and Kate, I believe, was 54 like, and, and, and I was reading about her life, and she just sold, she sold her company not too long ago, long ago for $2.4 billion. So money wasn't an issue. She had a 13-year-old daughter, and I was like, man, this is painful. How much pain is she going through and he going through that at the pinnacle of their lives, they said this is nothing. It's not worth it. It's too much pain. And I was just thinking about, I wasn't belittling who they are because these are human beings, man. And we know people in these situations that need help. And we, there might be people in this room who might feel there is no hope. And I'm telling you, there's hope. And, and I, want, I want this place to be an open place where we could be vulnerable enough to hold each other up. 
man, even late at night, that we could call each other for help because there's moments where we just can't. And I've been in those moments. I know how it feels where you just don't want to. You just can't. You just don't want to anymore. And you, some of us, we've been in seasons where it's so heavy, where we just need someone else just to sit in the room with us, not even to say anything. Don't give me advice. Just be with me. Just be with me. I remember in college, I went through a time of depression, over a year and a half of just depression. And I was like, what's wrong with me? There's something just wrong with me. And, 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 and I sat there, and there was this one day where, I, where it was my day I lost, I call it the day I lost my mind, where I had just a mental breakdown, and I just started crying. And it's really weird when you're like in your junior year of college, and you're supposed to be really cool, and you just cry in your room. <laughs> Because I was just so depressed. I was just crying. And one of my friends, his name was Harry Cruson. He was walking by. He heard my cry. And I just asked him, can you sit in this room with me? He was going to class. And he sat there in my room all day. We didn't talk much. And, I, 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 and he saved my life that day. Because I was done, man. I was at the end. I was literally gone. And I, just, I know that that's not just me. I know that in life that we go through some hardships and we've been broken, man. And I, 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 I believe that people need to come to a place where they're a little more self-aware of their brokenness and say, I need some help. Self-aware of their pain that we need to actually deal with it. Because we live in a culture, like Tim Keller was saying, we hide it, we paint it, right? We remodel it, but the foundation is still broken. And at some point when the foundation is still hurt and still broken, it pops up in times of our life at the worst times. Have you ever asked yourself, like, where did that come from? Have you ever said that to yourself? And and, and we're surprised by it, but it it comes from the moments we press that down deep within, and it comes right back up. Our brain might eliminate times of our lives that we try to hide away, but you can't hide from yourself forever because winter still comes. Winter still comes. And I read a tweet by Jenna Bush that wrote about Kate Spade, and she wrote, Kate was a trailblazer. Her life, her death are reminders that pain doesn't discriminate. Man, it hit me deeply. Our goal is not to avoid winter by faking happiness and pretending as long as we can. And, then, and then, then when we fail, we fall apart because marriage gets hard. Temptations get hard. We get tired. We lose our jobs after 20 years. People pass away, and we go through seasons of heartache. You're like, John, I thought this was about happy songs. You played the song Happy. You were trying to talk about happiness. But I think if I don't tell the truth of life, we can't be happy. We can fake happy, but happiness comes when we are actually more self-aware in our walk with God, not just putting stuff and hiding it and wearing Christian shirts that said, uh, God is good all the time. There's moments you're like, God, are you even good? Can you help me? These are honest, real questions, and we, and we need to dig into it to find out. If our view of happiness is dependent on our circumstance, be careful because seasons change. Number two, you need an anchor outside yourself. It's as blessed or happy as the person like a tree with deep roots anchoring himself into streams of water, and, and, and this attacks our cultural value of I got this. 
right? The belief that happiness comes from me and my freedoms, right? Uh, detaching uh, from things that are holding me down. I do what I want. I tell Candace that, but it's not true. <laughs> I do what I want, Candace. Stop telling me what to do. It's, all right, tell me, well, what do I need to do again, right? Because happiness is not just dependent on how I'm feeling in the moment. Happiness is, 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 is multifaceted. It is rooted in things outside myself. And, and when we say I do what I want, when I want, how I want it, it doesn't mean that it always leads us to happiness. And, yes, we do need freedoms for our lives. We do. We need freedom. We need choice. But, uh, but I'll be happy when I answer to no one. I make my own rules and define my own meaning is like a, a room without a roof, right? That's, that was part of Pharrell's song. And yes, we need these freedoms, but happiness is more than my freedom. It's crazy that it, it is in responsibility. I find this true in my life. In, in the responsibilities that are important to us, like my marriage and my parenting and responsibility to my friendship, when I take those seriously, my responsibility to God, there comes a fulfillment of happiness, so we think it's no responsibility, and we've, been tell, and we've been saying, do whatever you want, kids. Do whatever you can be. It's not true. It is in being rooted relationally, foundationally, to something outside yourself that actually brings more happiness than to find it just in yourself. Do you know what I mean? Because you come to a place where you get, you do what you want, you get all you want, and you come to a place, a, a pinnacle, and you say these words, I'm still empty. That's why Solomon wrote the, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, and he said uh, through the whole book from beginning to end, vanity, vanity. Solomon was king, and he had the most money in the history of the world. He had a lot of wives. He had all the women that he wanted, all the money that he wanted, all the power that he wanted, and then he writes a book at the end of his life and says, it was all for naught. It was cool, but it wasn't that cool, Right? He said, I did not ever keep one thing I wanted to do away from me. He said, I did it all. And he said, it wasn't that cool. He said the word vanity, vanity, a chase after the wind. You keep on chasing it. You keep on chasing it. But at the end, you find that that too was vanity. That too was empty. And I, it, it makes me think about this. C.S. Lewis said it this way. And when we try to find happiness just in ourselves, doing it my way, he says, compare this to a fish that decides I want to be free by escaping the confines of water. He flops out of the ocean. True, he is now free from the confines of water. But is he happy? No, because he's a fish and he's made for water. And listen, I don't know what you believe about you, but I believe that you and I are made by God for God. When everything in the world doesn't bring you fulfillment, we have to say, I'm made for something more, right? And so, and, 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 we, and the more we get focused on us and my thing, and, and, and the more we get rooted in God, the more we get focused off ourselves and more rooted in God, honest with God, the more we will live blessed and happy. You need an anchor outside yourself that is firm in every season of life, and that just ain't you. That's not my wife. There's moments that we go through. Candace uh, and I, we have an honest, honest moments where, like, I'm so glad you're doing good because I'm not doing good. It's, it, it's those seasons when we're both doing bad. That's trouble. 
And, and when we are going like that, we need something outside ourselves. And then verse 4 or 5, the ungodly are not so, for they are like chaff that the wind drives away. When we live life like we are not part of something greater, a greater community, you are part of a church community. You are not an island. Your faith is part of a church family. And when your faith and when you're going through struggle, we all struggle. And the closer we get, we all struggle. And, and, and Mark and I, we were talking when we were driving up the veil, and we were saying, and we were just talking about why is it so easy for people just to leave their community and say, that's, that's, I'm done with that. But we need to get rooted deeper because winter comes. There's, there's, there's the hardships that come, and we will need each other. I will need you. I cannot stand in this life alone. Faith was never my personal relationship with, with Jesus. Yes, that's a part of it, but your personal must move to your communal relationship with others. Very, very important. And so life is not just random, right? And we are not the main point of life. And when we face success or suffering, life can lose meaning. And, and when this is all there is, and we're not anchored into something outside ourselves, there comes to a point where nothing matters. And I talked about it before. Everything can fade. Have you ever, like, went after something like, oh, this is my passion, right? I don't know. When you're young, your passion could be basketball or snowboarding or it could be, it could be uh, I don't know, relationships. Whatever your passion is, all of that can fade. At some point in our life, when we get what we want, still despair comes our way. And we become restless. How, how many of you guys ever feel restless? I feel restless. Anytime I get bored, I, I, can, get, I can lose my mind. And I keep my, I think boredom is a problem. I really do. Because we come to a place when we're bored and we'll just do whatever we want. And instead of focusing our life on important things that matter and knowing that their seasons come, we can, we can go off the deep end. So I, I'm, I'm telling you, so no matter how I live, if, if we live in a way like it doesn't really matter, my life is just by random and we're just chaffing the wind, it says verse 5, therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment. Yet if there is a God, and he's the point, and there is a mission, a purpose to your life, and at the end you will stand before him, be judged by him for the life you live and I live, we must live with meaning. I'm going to say this. If you're a Christian and you say there is a God, there is meaning to my life, but we live like life at random and, and that we don't live with meaning and mission and purpose for God and his glory, then we will stand before him one day and be judged by the way we lived our life. I know. They don't, I don't like judgment, John. Well, I'm not judging you, man. It's just the word of God. I, I, I don't judge people's salvation. I never say, oh, that person, oh, they'll know God. or that. I, I never do the salvation judge. There's one judge that we all face. It's our creator, our maker. And, 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 and we either live with meaning like he's real and, or we don't, right? And Jesus said it in this way, Mark 8, 36, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And he's saying, is there anything worth your soul, your eternity? And the answer is no. So as, as we are coming into conclusion, the psalmist is telling us we have a choice today. We can either live life at random and it's about me and God doesn't care how I live, or we can live in the light of Jesus, aligning our minds, our hearts, our behavior to his. 
So do, you, do we want to live in the way of righteous? And how do we live that way? How, how, so, John, how do we live like the way to be blessed, to live blessed? And, 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 and first of all, it can't be about you. Because a lot of times when faith becomes about us, guess what God does to us? He puts us through suffering. It's crazy. He puts, we're like, when life becomes, we, Christians can so focus their lives that they think Jesus is about them, that their blessings are about them, that, uh, that God is about me, right? God is about me. No. And then God's like, all right, if, if that's your mentality, I'm going to put you through some stuff. Not because he hates you, but because he loves you enough. Because we get so we can get so caught up in ourselves that we can live in greed. We can live like living in judgment, saying that's them and that's us. No, it's all of us, man. We all are in desperate need of God's grace and God's love. And when you see people, I don't want you to see people in judgment like they need Jesus. Man, you need Jesus. I need Jesus. And when we come to a place where we all know how much we need God, like gasoline in a car, he's the very breath in our lungs that we worship with, that we, we breathe, that every moment that we wake up and breathe, that is God's grace and we deserve none of it. When you believe that God, that our life is not at random, then every morning is for the glory of God because God woke you up, man. And it's a good day. No matter the season, we can look back up at God and say, man, I deserve none of this. When you, when you look at the person, I look at my wife, sometimes I'm like, I don't deserve that. And everyone knows that, right? And then I, I just look at my life and I can't believe how much God loves me. And I'm not just this eternal optimist. I say, it's all grace, man. Every morning you wake up, you look at your kids, it's all grace. If you have a job to go to, if there's someone that loves you, if there's, if there's air in your lungs, it's all grace. It's all grace. So what, does, what do we need? It says in the Word, and, I, and I'll go quickly. We devote ourselves to God's Word. Verse 2 says, we delight in his word. Day and night, we meditate on it. We're like, that's weird, John. What do you mean you meditate on God's word day and night? And this is more than just being reading words in a Bible and memorizing it. It's more than coming to church or saying I'm saved. It's about driving your roots deep down into Jesus and meditating on how he lived. How did Jesus live? And identifying our life to his. How can I live that way? It's not duty, it's delight. That's what Megan said. Let me delight in you. I was like, Megan, you should just speak today. Because she was ripping it up. She was like, I, I want us to delight. I want our children to delight in the Lord. When was the last time you delighted in God? And when you were thinking about him, you're like, oh, man, it just made your heart skip. And when this writer was writing this, he's like, I've been through some stuff. But when I think about the goodness of God, it delights my heart and it is rooted deep within past the surface of circumstance to understand every day you give me breath to come alive and I am thankful. I delight in you. That's meditation on God. And I find that in my life, the more I delight in him, the more I am filled with him and the more I can see my life in every circumstance, I can say I'm still good because God's good. And that's when God is good. And number two, it says we devote ourselves to people. Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked or stands in the way of the sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And what he is saying, like, watch out. Your friends are your future. 
what you surround yourself with. If you don't like your attitude, watch the attitude of the people that you're constantly around. Watch that. Your friends are your future. If you don't like how your kids are, watch who they're around too. That's very important. Parents, you could say no. I know. I know. I know this is a hard one. If, I was going to say something crazy. I, I'm not, I'll be whoop. No, no, no. It wasn't going to be good. It wasn't going to be good. Parents, if you don't like the kid that, that is coming to your house every single day and, and there's things that you, that's messing your kid up or, or your kid is messed up, you got to work on it. You can't just say, it's all good. No, it's not all good. That's why you're the parent. It's, it says that don't let them be around the counsel of the wicked, around surrounded by just people who are wicked. Or you're, it might be your kid and we might have to do some work. It might be you. And they're just representing what your life is lived out as. But if this is true, man, just doing Jesus stuff once a week cannot transform your family or your life without living your faith in the beauty of authentic community daily. Man, people matter in your life. Bring people close. In a culture where we push people away, bring people near just to bring them near. That's why I talk about life group and serving together at Urban Outreach. We are doing Urban Outreach this weekend. I mean, this Thursday, coming Thursday. If you can serve and you have time off, go serve people who are in a bad place of life right now, who don't have a home, maybe are struggling through life. Serve them like humans, not us and them. It's just us. It's just us. And we go through hard times. And, and that's why I tell you to serve together. Serve your city because your faith needs a squad. You need some squad goals, it's true. Your faith needs a squad, your life needs a squad. Your marriage is not just two of you, you need a squad. You do. You need people to help you in your marriage. I want you to be happy and full, but that takes a change of devotion. And I just wanna ask, what do you got to lose? If we're living a life a certain way and it's not fulfilling our hearts, what do you got to lose to do it differently? you got to lose if you like i'm not sure about this god stuff but if you're already living a certain way and it's not bringing any fulfillment in your life what do you got to lose to jump into the deep end of the pool and just go for it my son ezra is the jumper in of deep end of the pool and i have to watch him because he just jumps right and thank god he has learned to swim because he just jumps in and thinks it's all good that's just how his how his mind is but I, I, man, why not? And I read this quote and it so made sense. Listen, there's nothing more frustrating than a half-faith Christian. Uh, and see, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon wrote this, a half-committed Christian is the most miserable person on earth. He is just enough in the world to be miserable in the presence of God, and he's just enough into God that he's miserable in the presence of the world. Man, it's time to root down. Get your roots deep into God and his people. I don't care if you don't like read to, you don't like people or reading the Bible. Tough, right? It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. So as we stand today, I got some homework for you. I got some homework for you. And then I'm going to pray over you. This week, I want you to take a moment, sit and think about God and where you are in life. And do you, are you fulfilled in Christ and if not I want you to dig deeper I, I think we're not it's not that we're not happy we're just okay with okay that we're not frustrated enough to dig into God deeper to go after God deeper so this week I want you to do some artsy fartsy stuff with me 
as you are praying, I want you to write down some prayers. If it turns into a poem, write a poem. If it turns into a song, write a song. This week, I want you to work out some expressions of emotions of your relationship with God on pen and paper. Write it down. If it turns into a rap, you can rap to your wife, all right? But write it down. Create something in your heart towards God because it's a different way of expressing what's going on inside. Sometimes people need to write it down. And if you are, and as we pray, let's just bow our heads. If you feel like you are just wavering from one end to the other and you need to make, you need to challenge yourself to go deep, I want you to dive deep into God's word and to God's people and dive deep into God's purpose for your life. And your purpose, number one, is to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and to uh, love others as yourself. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone in this place, Lord God. We got some homework to do, Lord God. And the first homework is just to stop for a moment and think about our lives, our happiness, our purpose, and God. God, am I living the life that I need to live towards you? I think we, I don't think we stop enough to think. And God, as we express our prayers towards you, let's just write it down in a psalm. Let's start the series of a psalm with you, Lord God. Let's start it with you. Jen, can we just sing that? Right, It's our breath and our lungs. Just sing it with Sing it with me. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise, it's your breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Just raise your voice one more time. It's your breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you. Great are you, Lord. Just express it. Great are you, Lord. that we would make a strong commitment towards you, that we would not be half in and half out of the pool, but we would learn to dive deeply. Whatever that means to us, Lord God, I pray we make that prayer with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Uh, give God praise. If anyone in here is struggling with suicide or depression and needs help, Man, I want to say we're, we, I want to be here for you. I will pray with you. Just be bold enough to, to come and talk to someone next to you that, that you need. God bless you, and I let you know that we're here for you. God loves you. God loves you.